quarter. <laughs> so, so instead of having an hour, I mean a 30-minute thing, I had about an hour and 20 minutes in there. So I need to go back and censor it. I don't know what I said in the interim. <laughs> it could be, be worse than the NSA. As we were leaving, yeah, we were leaving church last Sunday. We do same thing that most of you do, and and uh, we uh, talked about uh, Dr. Park's sermon. And then I said to my traveling companion, uh, I didn't feel good about Sunday. She says, "You've done better." I said, oh, yeah, you've done better. I said, oh, what did I not do? She said, well, when you were explaining what happened to Israel, it wasn't good. So I'm going to try to back up this morning, because if she didn't get it, maybe you didn't get it, and I'm in trouble. So when we come to Ephesians... Paul is talking to these sweet people and, and they, were, they were Gentiles. They weren't Jews. And we're having a clash of the Old Testament with the brand new New Testament. And so we want to we kind of bring that to a conclusion. And what we said last week was that it all, divine line was the cross that prior to the cross, it was all the law, the nation of Israel, the covenants, and their really unique relationship with their God. So in the conservation of time, I have printed off some things. Is there any left? Parents, can I borrow that one? <clears throat> just, just that I've got one. I've got one. <laughs> Uh, I printed off some things here that it we, we, we said last week that everything came from the beginning. From Genesis to Revelation, the theme is redemption. It's all about the Lord redeeming mankind and He chose to bring His only Son, as we've learned, His only begotten Son, Jesus. Let's look at this. I'm just I'm not, not going to read it all. I printed it there. And maybe you can look and see. But in Genesis 12, he told Abram, he says, you get up and you go to a land that I'll show you. And I'll make you a great nation. And look at verse 7, the last one in that particular. Uh, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. And you know then, you know, uh, they got ahead of the Lord. Ishmael was born. And they both, Sarah and he were advancing in age. In verse chapter 15, he, he says, uh, look at the verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body, he will be your heir. 
And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and it reckoned to him as righteousness. That's a reckon is an accounting word. He credited it to Abram's account. He believed the Lord, and he he got righteous because of that belief. Isaac, Genesis twenty six. And it's same sort of thing. Verse 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you, and for you and your descendants I will give these lands, and I will establish an oath I will swore, that I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. will give your descendants all these lands, and your descendants and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. And we'll see this thing recurring. And it did recur all down through the Old Testament. He says, you obeyed me. Okay, Jacob. Verse 11 of Genesis 35. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations will come from you. Kings come forth from you. And the land which I gave to Abram and Isaac, I will give to you. Um, last verse, 15. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. Um, we... <laughs> Every community has got a Bethel Baptist church. So that, that's where it came from. Then the next one that enters the scene is Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you will bring my people out of Israel. And you know the story that Abram, uh, I mean Moses... Uh, I'm not worthy to go. Look at verse 13. And Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your father has sent me. And they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel. Now, a nation of Israel, they were down in Egypt for 400 years. They came out. They went down there, 70 souls, all the sons of Jacob and his family. 400 years later, they came out a multitude. Some people have, have calculated it to be over 2 million souls that came out. So it wasn't a small group. And in verse 19... Uh, chapter 19 of Exodus, this is, this is the linchpin of the whole thing. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and, eagle's wings and brought to you myself. Now then, if you will indeed 
Obey my voice. Keep my covenants. Then you shall be my own possession among all the people. The last line there. And so Moses, verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So they agreed to be a holy, unique people. And God says two things I want. I want you to obey me and keep my covenant. Obey me and keep my covenant. Leviticus. We have a lot in Leviticus. And some people say it's real dry, but it's very part of the parcel of where where we are today. Verse... uh, Chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. Then he shall slaughter the goat of a sin offering. And he goes in what they shall do and how they would go in the holy place and all this kind of thing. Verse 34, the last one there. Now you shall make this a permanent statue to make an atonement for the sons of Israel for all their sins once every year, just as the Lord had commanded Moses so he did. So he, this part of sacrifices for the sins of the people, he instituted there in the wilderness with the tabernacle and says, this is what I want you to do forever. Numbers. The Lord sent a fiery serpent among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against you. This was typical. They, they were one day journey past the wet Red Sea and they were grumbling. And they grumbled for 40 plus years about what, how the Lord was treating them. The ladies didn't miscarry. Their shoes didn't wear out. God fed them with quail and and honey biscuits every day and and it was it was one of those things he asked two things what did he say obey me and keep my commandments okay so he says said i've sinned against you and uh, and moses interceded for the people verse 8 and the lord said to moses make a fiery servant set it on a standard and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it, he will live. He will live. They crossed into Canaan in Joshua that we just got through studying. And on the verse 31 of the Joshua, of Joshua uh, the, what is that verse? Chapter 24, I'm sorry. Uh, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who survived Joshua and had known all the deeds of the Lord which he had done. The next book is Judges. The last verse of that book. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what it was in his own sight. They begged for a king. God gave them a king. After David's death, Solomon David reigned for 40 years. And Solomon reigned for 40 years. 
Those 80 years were the golden years of Israel. Golden years. But it went down in a hurry because of what Solomon did. Look at verse 4 of 1 Kings 11. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away from other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God and the heart of David his father. And that was the decline of the nation of Israel. That was part of the show. Turn with me in your Bible to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this is the, the, a little story that is the crux of the, of the whole matter here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 15. This is an interesting little read this afternoon. Get you a cup of coffee and sit in the recliner after you've had your nap. It's a nice little story to read. First uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over your people and over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. I say to the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel and how he set himself against him in the way while you were coming out of Egypt. First Peter tells us that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He talks about a day being a day with the Lord being a thousand years and a thousand years being a day. 420 years had passed to this point. But as they were coming out of Egypt, the, the Amalekites, the Amalekites attacked Israel. And the first time Joshua is mentioned is in that particular battle. Moses said, Joshua, get some men and go defeat the Amalekites. And you remember the story. As long as Moses held his hands up, they went. When his hands fell down, they lost. So, they pulled a stone up and said, Moses, sit down. And two guys got up and, and held his hand up and they prevailed. 420 years later, God hadn't forgot because he said, I'm going to get rid of those people. So, when Saul was king, 420 years later, verse 3 says, now go strike Amalek. I can't pronounce it all of a sudden. Am, what? We have the Amalekites, but Amalek. And utterly destroy him as he has. Now he said, do not spare him, nor put to death both man, woman, child, infant, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkey. Utterly destroy him. Okay. Verse 7, so Paul defeated the Amalekites, which is to the east of Egypt. Verse 8, and he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul, verse 9, the people spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the ox, 
the fatman, the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to destroy them utterly, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Verse 10, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I made Saul king. Verse 13, Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep I hear, and the lowing of the ox I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. The people spared the best of the sheep of the ox to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Skip to verse 22. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. So the law can be termed, can be almost, they were God's people. He made them into a nation. He gave them covenants. He had a very special relationship. But all He wanted to, them to do, I spell obey. Is to obey. That's all he wanted them to do was obey. They had all kind of problems down through. When you were parents, <laughs> you are still parents. When you had younger children, all we want our boys to do was obey. That's all we wanted them to do. And they learned fairly quick, thankfully. I don't know how I'd have handled it if they hadn't. <laughs> but anyway, that the more obedient they were to Velt and I, the more freedom we gave them. And that's not unique with me. The Lord said the same thing here. He said, you obey me and you keep my commandments and things will go well. And all through history, when the kings obeyed the Lord, when they worshipped Him, when their temple was good, they had peace. Fast forward to the New Testament. The Pharisees, which was the religious system of that day, had been diluted to a bunch of things, a bunch of rituals. They had forgot to obey God and keep His covenants. What they were really good at, and Jesus told them about it, He says, you tithe the mint. You tithe the little bitty things, but you forget the main thing. And it was that backdrop that Jesus came and hung on an old rugged cross and died for us. And the whole world changed. It changed. Now to go to Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> we 
talked about this last week, and we gave out some sheets that Hart had um, got from Dr. Wiersbe. Look at verse 12 of chapter 2. And he's, he's comparing now the Gentiles to the Jews. And in verse 12, he says, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. They weren't. They weren't Jews by birth. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. And you didn't have any hope because you were out without God in this world. Anybody who was not a Jew in Scripture was a Gentile. So he said, you've, you've, you don't have anything to boast about. Nothing to boast about. But you do, you do in Jesus. Now look at verse, chapter 3, verse 2, uh, 6, excuse me. Verse, chapter 3, verse 6. The Gentiles now, in Jesus, they're heirs. He says you're heirs. Fellow members of the body and of the promise through the gospel. And what Paul is trying to do is take this old covenant that they were so deep in and knew so well to bring it to this side of the cross where grace was there. For by grace are you saved. Nothing you could do, nothing you have done, nothing. Now, Jesus alone saves. It's nothing, nothing we can do. There's no other book we have to read. There's no other creed we have to do. It's Jesus alone. And just like Abram of old, when he looked up in the stars in heaven and he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, when we look back at the cross and what Jesus did, by faith it's credited to us as righteousness. And that's how we're saved. Nothing we have done, nothing we could do. It's Jesus' righteousness that we have. That's how we're saved. When Paul comes to the third chapter of Ephesians, he's, he's fearful that these group that he's writing to are, are going to lose faith, are going to lose heart, are going to get weary in well-doing, are going to kind of lay down. And he says, I don't want that. So let's pick up here in verse 7 of chapter 3. Of which I was made a minister, he says, according to the gift of grace, which was the power according to his power. We talked about this last week, that Paul was called on the road to Damascus as a minister to the Gentiles. Jesus called him for that purpose, to minister to them. Verse 9, And to bring to light the administration of this mystery. We talked about that. It was hidden. Going to the Gentiles was a foreign thing. It was all about the nation of Israel. And then Jesus came on the, on, on the scene and, 
we read the scripture last week. It's Jesus himself said, when he said to the disciples out, he said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But when Paul came on the scene, God told him, you go to the Gentiles. Go to the Gentiles. And the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God. In verse 9. Verse 10. So that the manifold wisdom of God may be known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. Skip to verse 14. <clears throat> For this reason, I told you last week, this is the third time in this little book that Paul uses for this reason. He's trying to draw a conclusion, bring the net in. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. We don't, we don't, we don't, bow our knee very much when we do we're seriously desperate and shame on us but he said I bow my knee before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name okay this is what Paul desires for these sweet people and it's what he desires for you today. And we're all hung up with guilt and fear and not knowing where we're going or what the future holds and all this kind of stuff. And it's no different than this group that Paul talked to here in Ephesus. Verse 16. My prayer for you is this, that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory. We talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, we live way below our privilege as, as Christians. God knows us. He loves us. And as Jesus' big brother, being our big brother, we have access to everything. But our humanity gets in the way and we said, oh... You know, don't you remember what you did, Bill? You know, where you've gone, what, what, all these things. And he says, I, I grant you according to the riches in glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. You've seen me draw these circles up here and I say that at the core that our soul, our mind, our will, our emotion as we allow the Lord to permeate it. But I'm not talking about the soul here. He says, be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Through His Spirit. Hebrews tells us that Sometimes we want to pray and we don't know how to pray. And Hebrew tells us that the Spirit ministers, ministers to us in groanings which we can't even understand. 
with groanings. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Take over. And the Lord said He will. But Luke says, you don't have because you hadn't asked. Comes back to the point where we need to ask what He wants, what we want Him to do. So to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It all comes back to faith. It all comes back to faith. You know. We haven't seen it. And yet we believe it. By faith. I believe this book by faith. And he says, you may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded, and there comes this word again, in love. What did Jesus say? He said, this new commandment I give you, that you love one another. That people will know you by your love. It's the thing that separates us. The last few days, we've... <laughs> it's amazing how President Obama teaches our Sunday school class sometimes. <clears throat> but the National Prayer Breakfast was this week. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. Why politicians go to Scripture, some stuff that they don't even know about, I don't understand. I think... Franklin Graham nailed it. He's, he says, he says the Crusades were fighting the Muslims <laughs> at that point. And when you come to talk about the New Testament, there's nothing in the New Testament if it doesn't teach love. Love for one another, love for our fellow man. He says this is what it's about. This is what it's about. The next verse. So that you may be rooted and grounded in love. And you may be able to comprehend what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. I didn't know I was going to get this far. I got five minutes. Uh, this is what Pastor Ray Stedman says about that little part of Scripture. Everybody got one of these little pieces? Length. Which he calls in Ephesians 1.18 the hope of which you are called. 
that that hope which began before the foundation of the world and which reaches all through all of recorded time unto the limitless reaches of eternity that the links of God's program of love of which you and I are a part the hope with which we are called so Pastor Stedman says link the hope which you are called the width it's what Paul calls the riches in Christ, inheritance among the Gentiles. God's grace is not narrowly confined to one group, the Jews. It is freely available to all without discrimination or division to the Jew, the Gentile, the black, the white, the rich, the poor, slave, free, male, female. It doesn't make any difference. All humanity is caught up in the riches of Jesus Christ in the cross and His church. And that's the width of God's love. The height is the place to which we are raised with Christ. He was raised us to sit together with Him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and authorities. In this age and the age to come, it's the place of authority as a Christian. The place of power to be free from everything that would drag you down and blunt your effectiveness for God. The depth. The depth, of course, is what Paul describes in Ephesians 2 as death. The living death out of which God has called us. Once we were victims of death and sin, now we're victors over death and sin. Once we were children of wrath, now we're children of God. Raised from the depths to the heights of splendor with Christ. So he says, what is the length, the width, the height, and the depth of the depth? Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with the fullness of God. That you may know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul closes it with a benediction. You've heard it spoken many times. You probably used it yourself from time to time. And it's a good one to know. He says, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all what we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Now unto Him who is able to do more than we can ask or think. The Jews were made a nation. They had a covenant and God was their God. He said, obey. He said, obey. But as we've talked before, 
The sacrifice of blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. It took Jesus, His only begotten Son, on this old rugged cross to cleanse the conscience from sin once and for all. And through grace, we Gentiles have been adopted into the family of God. The Jews are still God's family. He's still going to deal with them. But we have been adopted into the family of God through Jesus. We are now heirs. We are members of the body. And we have the gospel to boast about. We have the gospel. So going forward in Ephesians, Paul kind of leaves this. Hopefully he's got it settled once and for all. They were in death, and now they're in light, thanks to the Lord Jesus. And he goes on now in the latter three, three chapters, and he gets very specific in some things about the Christian walk. What we do, how we do it, how we live, and Paul is very practical in his approach. Anything? Anything? Did I do okay, Miss Belton? Okay. I don't know how you messed up last week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Pat. Enough's enough. We missed last week, but we got caught up today. In the uh, terms, you know, we think about business model. Yeah. So, Jesus came and changed the business model. Absolutely changed. He changed the model to include everybody. Yeah. And he changed the model to include or emphasize love. But the world hasn't adopted this story of That's true. When you going to teach, Robert? <laughs> That's very good. You inspire me sometimes. I, Glenda told me not to say nothing. <laughs> but Glenda's not here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We love you. And next week we'll hear from Holly and Jeff, and, uh, and we'll see what's, what's going on from there. Okay. Okay, Mike dismisses, brother. Father, we just thank you for